0: This is important information. Ready, set, and begin. Who better to talk about the MLS in the Twin Cities than the head coach of your hometown United? All incredible things to look forward to. Now, courtesy of Heineken, this is the Adrian Heath Show. Quintero with a Minnesota goal! The Adrian he- Heath Show. Oh, what a save by Chubbler! Oh, my! Hosted by former player and now Loon sideline reporter, Jamie Watson. Check this out! What's going on everybody? Welcome to
1: another edition of the Adrian Heath Show. I'm your host Jamie Watson. We are back. We are in studio. We are joined by the head coach of Minnesota United, Adrian Heath. Adrian, good to be with you again. How are you?
2: Good to be back. Back in studio. We've always uh, we've had a good time when we've been in here, but we've been away, haven't we, the last few weeks.
1: We have. The Adrian Heath Show presented by Heineken has not been the same when Adrian Heath has not been on the Adrian Heath show, it's it's not quite the same, is it? So Jerry and Ethan struggled last week. That's what you're saying. They absolutely carried the weight of the show. Their backs are struggling from carrying me. We were at the Nomad World Pub in downtown. We, uh, we want to say thank you again. Gracious hosts for us last Tuesday night, uh, Ethan and Jerry, they did a great job trying to fill in. They even got a chance to rate Cal's call at the end. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the show as we get to the segment. It's, it's your thing. We'll put it this way. We can't have those guys do it every week because on a scale of 1 to 10, let's say one of them is already given out a 10.
2: There you go. There's that's nowhere right. to go. Well, there you go. That's why when you have a go at me for being a little bit, uh, what's the word, a little bit stingy with the with the marks, that's why you've got to leave yourself somewhere to go.
1: I've never had a go. It's Callum Williams, who okay. we're rating his call always has a go when you're stingy on it for clarification. Oh, we've got one tonight. So there you go. There we go. We got that one look, to look forward to. Also, tonight, we are very excited to be welcoming in a very special guest, one of the most well respected, esteemed journalists, soccer reporters. Guy seems to break news before you even knew there was something to break. Uh, he is the reason that smoke gets created when there is fire somewhere. Paul Tenorio will be joining us from The Athletic. We are so excited to have him on in a bit. But first, before we get there, last week you weren't with us at the Nomad Uh because you were in Cincinnati. You weren't just there to check out your competition for next year. You were there to take on that team who will be competition next year in the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup. And your team survived and advanced. Mm -hmm. Made it to the next round. Yeah. A 0-0 draw with FC Cincinnati last Tuesday night at Nippert Stadium. Talk us through that game, Adrian, from your perspective, uh, playing against the USL side, one that's on the back of some a uh, crazy high, the announcement that they will be joining yeah. uh, MLS next year. How was that game for you? Your team? Your thought on the team's performance uh, in the 0-0 draw?
2: First things first, I have to say it's the first time I've been to Cincinnati, ever.
1: What did you think of the city?
2: It was, uh, I think it was a, Pleasant surprise,
1: really. I, yeah, I've it, never been so. Yeah.
2: No, I, I and obviously I did good good stuff about um, FC Cincinnati. I'd spoke to one or two coaches who were in the USL, who who know them well, who've played against them, and everything that they uh, everything that they explained to me was spot
1: on, pretty spot on.
2: I think um, great atmosphere in the stadium. I think they announced 16,000. on an a Tuesday up, night. We're short notice. The Reds were at home. Blew them out the water as well, Cincinnati Reds. So I think that gives you an idea that they are now after the probably, is it the Bengals? Yeah, Cincinnati Bengals. They're probably the biggest uh, team in town. and um, So they're going to be a really good addition to MLS. I have to say I was very impressed with the the atmosphere in the stadium, very impressed with the sort of knowledge of the supporters. um, Got killed... Behind my uh, dugout, behind the, the, the. Did you? Were they having yeah. a go at you? Oh yeah, just a little bit. And uh, what
1: maybe, was the best thing you heard? Well, give me, give me your favorite line.
2: Well, the usual one, calling me a scouser and calling me for everything under the sun about being in Everton, and I'm not from Liverpool. I'm from Stoke. So... Yes, yeah,
1: so you're like, wait a minute. There's but, a lot worse things you should be calling me. Exactly, but no, they but they were really
2: knowledgeable, and um, no, it, it was a good evening, and I thought the game was really good. I was really pleased with the way we approached it. Um, I don't think that we were. Good in uh, forward positions. Our uh, attacking and final ball wasn't the best, but I thought uh, Brent Coleman had his best game of the season. Looked like the Brent Coleman of old from last year, which will do him no end of good. And there was a few good performances, you know. So uh, I thought the three midfield players, uh, Martin Warner and uh, Maxi, did well. And I thought the two centre backs were great, and the two full backs would never give anything away. So there was a lot of good performances, and then Bobby come up big when we needed him in the penalty shootout.
1: Bobby was incredible in the shootout. It was almost fitting that Colin Warner missed when he had the opportunity to win the game because then that allowed Bobby Shuttleworth to get his third stop of the shootout. Now, granted, one of them comes off the post, but...
2: The other thing there, Jamie, as well, which it made me laugh, actually, because somebody went, oh, uh, Minnesota rung on and advanced through to the next round. I think we're the first team that scored a result then in five MLS teams.
1: Wow! You know what? Come to think of it, well, they went they went to the semifinal yeah. last year and beat Columbus. There's no other team that did no. so, so. So you did what Chicago couldn't do. Yeah, and
2: Columbus and, and Columbus Red Bulls had to go to penalties and won.
1: And they were incredible they, on that night. Three one. Cincinnati should have won. Yeah. and so, they had to have a crazy comeback to tie it. Yeah.
2: But I knew it was going to be tough because I said before the game, and we'd been through it in Orlando, we went through it in Austin. Yeah. On them one-off games when the the so-called, so-called smaller team, uh, team from a minor league, it's a big, big game for them to prove to people they're playing against, I should be in the MLS. And then they had the added, added incentive of, by the way, we're going next year. Every time I play an MLS team, I have an opportunity to prove I can play against them. So I knew it was going to be tough, and that was how it proved to be. So I was pleased that we got through because, trust me, having done really well in cup competitions throughout my career... Nobody ever looks at where you went on in the third round, the fourth round, and the fifth round. It just says winners at the end of it, and they yeah. don't tell you what you've done before. So, we live to fight another day. We go to Houston on uh, on Monday. So yeah, we're I'd gonna chat like
1: about that at, towards the end of the show as we as we preview that matchup. But I can't I can't say this, and I think that it is one of those rare opportunities where where you and I can talk about kind of the the old days when I was a player for you, that mindset. We can attest to it. It is difficult because we have been that USL team that has been giant killers taking on MLS teams. Mm. And so I think a little bit more credit where credit's due to your players uh, from last Tuesday night, because as you mentioned, having been in that locker room, I know what it means to be able to play in that game. And at, at, at times for the MLS guys, there are some guys who haven't gotten the type of minutes that they wanted to. You know, you look at Colin Warner; he hasn't gotten as many minutes this season as he wanted. Colin Martin been been there, or thereabouts. Maxi, Maxi, Brent, Brent Coleman. Coleman as well. Abdul Dunladi not been fit all season. So these are big moments for these guys mm-hmm. over off the team. Yeah, and so they're obviously maybe not in in match shape midseason form no, yet. Not at all. So they've got to jump right into it. Versus a very good USL side, I would say on paper. FC Cincinnati might be the most well-constructed USL team as far as experience, as far as ability, potential. It, so it, it had was, all the makings it, for a game that could have been... It was
2: strange, Jamie, because I actually looked at it after. They had a more experienced team than we did.
1: On the on the field to start on the, the game?
2: Yeah, well, you know, well, like, like, center-backs 30 years of age, fullbacks, backs 28, 29, and you go through the
1: team. Yeah, so uh, LaHood, Michael LaHood was yeah. there, Corbin Bone, he's played with Chicago Fire... Uh, Dekel Kanan, by the way I don't know if you knew this Before you, I do, I know it now He was. He came in trial He, he came on trial This is a true story And I can't remember offhand who it is He was trialing with us He's a uh, We were told he was this Israeli guy Who's actually been in the Israeli military I mean, he's buttoned up He looks like If you said, hey, that guy's been in the Israeli military You'd probably go Yeah, I believe you yeah. He came in And crunched somebody In, ta- in a tackle and broke one of our players' legs. You know who it was, don't you? Who was it? I can't remember offhand.
2: Bernie, Bernie Bernardo,
1: and Bernardo and Nor. That's right. Yeah. I was just talking about this leading up to the game. Who was it? Couldn't remember.
2: So the, if it, you go through that with him, the Corbin Bone, and you go through the rest of their squad, it was probably more experienced than I was on the evening. So you know, it was a, it was a testimony to the guys. Some people thought it was a. A performance that we should have done better. I was really, really pleased with the the level of performance and the approach of the players because it's not easy when you're you're playing against a highly motivated team with so much to play for and you've hardly started the season yet, which some of ours I hadn't.
1: Yeah, and you start to say what what really matters in in a cup game? Does yeah. it matter playing well in advance and you know, playing well like the the revs did and losing three two to Louisville City yeah. FC and not making it on to the next round, or? Having a tough game in a difficult environment and advancing, exactly. So you can you can say is no one remembers how you advance; they just remember that you do. So on the back of that, your team will play next Monday night Uh in Houston. We'll talk about that more later on this show. What I want to do now is I want to go to break because on the line is somebody that you and I both know very well, somebody that we both respect, somebody that I think is going to bring a lot of insight to the show. So if you're interested to hear how some of the news is broken in this league how some of the the workings of the league will. And I'm sure Paul, being the consummate journalist and professional he is, he'll probably try to squeeze one or two things out of you, even <laughs> though he never see. It's like trying to squeeze you as like the dried lemon yeah. that nothing comes out of, but he tries to anyways. So I'm sure there'll be plenty of that. So it's going to be exciting. We're going to have Paul Tenorio from The Athletic joining us. Stick around. That's Adrian Heath, Manny Hills in the booth. I'm your host, Jamie Watson. This is the
0: Adrian Heath Show on 1500 ESPN. It's involved risk. This is the Adrian Heath Show, presented by Heineken on 1500 ESPN. Welcome back to the Adrian Heath Show on 1500 ESPN.
1: Adrian, you have to know this song coming out of the break. A lot of people say, I kind of look like this guy. Or one of them. Mickey Mouse? The good looking guy in the group. (laughs) You have to know this. Surely you've been in some English club somewhere, one too many to drink, dancing to this song.
2: Good Vibrations, yeah. Sounds like- are
1: you just guessing the, the name of it, or are you just saying the no, first word you heard? No, Good Vibrations. Okay, yeah. who's it by?
2: It sounds like... For Mal- credit. Mark Mal- Wahlberg or... No.
1: Yeah, Manny. Manny Hill. I think we'll give it to we'll him. We'll give it to him. Mark it Mark is, it is Good Vibrations by... Mark Wahlberg, but yeah. Mark, Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Mm. I had a So you could see where I was going with the Mark Wahlberg reference. No, More really. so for hype really? than anything <laughs> else. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back into the Adrian Heath Show. That's Adrian Heath, head coach of Minnesota United. I'm Jamie Watson, your host. And joined with us now on the phone lines, somebody that you and I are both very excited to have on because he is one of the most well-respected journalists in all of American soccer Somebody that seems to always be a step or two ahead of anything that comes out, any sort of soccer news, and so we are lucky to have him joined on the line with us right now, Paul Tenorio. Paul, thank you so much for joining us tonight.
3: No, thank you for having me. I, I'm I'm excited to be on, and I'm I'm just over laughing at Adrian. Heath sneaking in the the Mickey Mouse guest there <laughs> on uh, on the song guest. Well done, Adrian. How are you, Paul? I'm doing well, Adrian. How you doing? Thanks for having me on, buddy.
2: No, it's uh, always always pleasurable for us to have somebody with a, a modicum of intelligence. I've been working with Jamie every week.
1: <laughs> Good change of pace to finally have someone on who knows what they're talking about, huh? Well, uh, well, speaking of which, so, I, I, I've built you up now as the guy who can seem to to sniff out smoke before the fire is ever even noticeable. And one, if you'd like, you could you know just break some news on us tonight if you have anything. But two, we could in the meantime, while you're thinking of something to break, you could go back to some news that you broke two weeks ago about the Youth Transfer Fund in MLS. This was a big story and for those that are maybe not as well versed in what that means um, I'd like for you if possible to kind of give us the quick clip note version of what the Youth Transfer Fund is. YTF will call for short.
3: Yeah, I think the best way to describe it is a lot of people look at it as a new allocation money. I think of it differently. Essentially think of it as a new young designated player spot. Um, potentially two young DPs, so I think it'll be hard to, to efficiently find somebody in the market at that price. But each MLS team is going to get a pot of $3 million that can be spread over four years um, between the transfer fee and the salary for a player. And that player is going to cost just a fraction of that price against uh, the salary cap. And uh, it's the same as a young designated player is right now. And basically what this is incentivizing teams to do what this is structured from a league perspective to do is to add more assets to the league you know mls is finally coming around and recognizing hey it's not the worst thing in the world to be a quote-unquote selling league they tried to jump from being uh you know just a, a new league into being a world power and they, they didn't want that moniker of being a selling league now they're starting to realize hey if we can bring in some young players develop them here and sell them on not only are we adding a new stream of revenue to our ownership but we're also entering the global market in a bigger way and incentivizing players from around the world to look at MLS as a league where it can develop and that's I think the biggest takeaway and then of course you always look at it and say hey more money into the pot for MLS teams to go spend.
2: Paul what do you, I know you you know you spend most of your day talking to GMs and coaches around the league what's your feedback from this how many teams do you think will take advantage of this sort of extra money and and hopefully go out there and buy some young, you know, Central, South American players that maybe they develop and sell on over the next two or three years.
3: Yeah, well, I think it was an interesting. As I first started to hear whispers about this, there were so many different numbers that were being thrown around, and teams were a little bit confused as to when it was going to take effect and how much money they were going to have. Once the, the the GMs and the technical committee kind of zoned in on the money, immediately I started to hear from GMs that were saying, yes, you know, this is coming in in the summer. I'm gonna, start. we've already started doing work to see if we can identify players that fit within this, this window of money to go and add. And a lot of people are pointing to Columbus as maybe the best example of the type of player you can find in this pool. When you look at Archer brought in last season, Milton Valenzuela this year in Columbus, that's the type of player that MLS teams are trying to go and find. Mm -hmm. It might be a little tougher to go to Argentina, Because the prices are higher, but you can go to Brazil. Valenzuela shows you can go and watch and scout the B teams and find players that are just on the cusp of breaking into the first team, get them at that bargain price at 18, 19 years old and, uh, and, you know, potentially develop them and sell them on for, for big money.
2: That's how far the league's come, Paul, where we go. A bargain price of $1.4 million. <laughs> The Exactly. Steal.
3: Adrian, I, I would imagine, are you guys out shopping for uh, a player in this uh, window? Speaking of breaking news, maybe I can break a little bit right
1: here, <laughs> <laughs> Well played, Paul.
2: No, I, I think that, obviously, it's something we've spoke about. You know, we've got the 1DP at this minute with Darwin Quintero, who's come in and done really, really well for us. But it's certainly, I think it's going to be another avenue. The interesting part for me is going to be, how long people are prepared to wait? Because for me, it's, too, it's both ways. You look at this two ways. If they're playing first team football and they're 19, nineteen, you're going to have to pay more than the three million for them, invariably. And if they're not, how, how, how far can people invest in terms of waiting for some sort of payback from these young players? You know, do you wait three years before they play in your first team? That for me is going to be quite interesting to
3: see which which way certain clubs go. And I think the model will be you – know, what's interesting is loaning – taking a player on loan does not fall under this this YTF rule, the Youth Transfer Fund rule, in that whatever salary or, or loan fee you have to pay would count against your books. But it does give you a window as a coach and as a, a, a GM to look at a player, bring them in, see how they adjust to the culture, see how they adjust to the league, how, how well uh, they fit into your system – and then at the end of the season, if you want to buy that player, then you can use that youth transfer fund. And I think that might be the way forward, especially in these first two windows. Uh, uh-huh. Because you have a shorter time span to to scout, maybe you go in and you, you say, hey, we're going to take this player on loan. Maybe it's a $250,000 salary. Maybe it's more, but it's worth it because if it pans out, we'll buy him at one point two. And we know that this player could develop into a three million dollar player, and boom, you're doubling your money just like that. So, you know, I would imagine a lot of teams are looking at loan options in the next two windows.
1: Oh, that's a great point. You listen to Paul Tenorio of the Athletic joining us on the Adrian Heath Show, and, and Paul, so as you as you kind of talk about flipping players and the mindset shifting of the the league now of MLS being okay with being a selling league, is there any players now that you see? in the next next window, the next two windows. I know we've heard the reports of Tyler Adams. Any sort of players that you think, uh, with Tyler Adams heading over to, to Red Bull um, over in Europe, but is there any player that you think has the ability to play at that next level that is somebody that is maybe an academy player that has worked their way up through the system and the importance of the academy, putting money into that, developing a player, getting him to the first team, and then sending him on?
3: sure. I think there are a few players that definitely are going to have suitors and are going to be worth teams considering should we sell them. Um, Chris Durkin in DC United has broken into the first team. A lot of value there. If you have a homegrown who can be a day-in, day-out starter, they're off your books, and that's huge in MLS nowadays, especially as an American not having them count against the international slot, but there is interest from overseas in Chris Durkin. That's a That's a name I expect to be discussed in the next two windows. What's the right move for D.C. United to make at this point. Um, Kellen Acosta is a bit of an older player. I think he's a guy who's ready to make the jump. Will Trapp is another player who I think in the next year we could see start to listen to some European offers. I reported uh, last month that Will Trapp went and got his Greek passport. So he has an EU passport that makes him much more attractive for those teams over in Europe, and we see him now breaking into the national team. He could be a guy wh- whose value starts to go up a bit. Um, especially with, you know, Columbus looking at potentially moving. Um, as far as younger players, another name that we don't hear very often that I think is worth keeping an eye on is Brandon Vasquez in Atlanta. Maybe not the perfect fit for the system, still under the age of 20, has performed well when he has come into games, very athletic, pretty good with the ball at his feet for his size. That's a young player who I think could draw some interest. You know, do do teams from Mexico take a look at Brandon Vasquez? Does a team from Portugal come in and say, Hey, he's worth taking a flyer and bringing him in. Um, that's another young player who I, I think could potentially draw some interest that Atlanta could say, hey, he doesn't fit the system perfectly, but he's an asset that we can cash in on at this point.
1: No, that's good good stuff, yeah. Paul, definitely. And so here's what, here's what I want to talk to you about. When we come back, we're going to go to a break, quick break, and then when we come back, I want to ask you, we're going to get your thoughts on the World Cup, but I want to ask you, who do you think so far in the first half of the season – has overperformed, and who do you think has underperformed, most notably. So stick around. We've got Paul Tenorio from The Athletic on the line with us. He's going to stick around for one more segment. It's Adrian Heath, Manny Hill in the booth. I'm Jamie Watson. This is the Adrian Heath Show presented
0: by Heineken on 1500 ESPN. We now continue with more of the Adrian Heath Show on 1500 ESPN. Presented by Heineken.
1: Welcome back to the Adrian Heath Show on 1500
0: ESPN. I'm your host Jamie
1: Watson, joined by head coach of Minnesota United, Adrian Heath. Adrian, I now, think you know this one.
2: Now this is now this. Now you're talking. Now, now you're talking. we're talking. Now the, the one and only Stevie Wonder. We, we can work, we can work it out. There That's we go. Number, but it's uh, one of the most distinctive voices probably of all time. Oh, it's incredible. Yeah.
1: If you ever get a few moments, uh, I, I doubt you will, but. You should uh, YouTube James Corden, Smitty, Smitty yeah. as you know, I'm back yeah. in England. He does carpool karaoke. Yeah, I've seen it, yeah. And he has Stevie Wonder on there, and it's the bit starts with him in the passenger seat going, I'm not, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah. And Stevie plays along great <laughs> to it. It's one of the best bits. Joining us on the line uh, for our little shenanigans, just in the background, listening, trying not to giggle into the phone, I'm sure, is the Athletics' Paul Tenorio. He joins us on the phone uh, Paul, back for a second segment. What we wanted to do first, I left you with a question before we before we went to break. But Adrian actually wanted to ask you a quick question, and since his name's on, on the show, uh, he gets to ask the question. What do you got for him, Adrian?
2: No, I was just going to say, cause Paul was on about the young players, and I've been on about it, Paul, for a few weeks. How encouraged I have been about the young players in the national pool. And that's how important I think the next coach is going to be. You know it's okay beating Bolivia and Paraguay, which they did pretty comfortably, but to go to France a week before the World Cup and get a one- one draw, I think it speaks volumes. I think this group's you know got a lot of potential, don't you?
3: Absolutely. You know what we're seeing is guys who, who are hungry but also understand how to win games in different ways. They can play exciting brands of soccer, a little bit nervous and wide open against a bad Bolivia team. But then you saw the character of these guys to grit out a win yeah. against a, a World Cup favorite like France. You know, guys like Zach Steffen stepping up big. The, the midfield player, Tyler Adams, mcKenney and, and Will Trapp, who I know is older, but he's never played on a stage like that. Um, a, a lot to take out of those performances. And I, I think, you know, for me, Josh Sargent is a guy I'm really excited about. You love forwards. This kid has a lot of the qualities that you yeah. look for. In a striker.
2: Yeah, I think there's a, I think it was very encouraging, Paul. I, 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 that's why I think the next coach, whoever they pick, they, you know, I know, and he's only just come in, but sooner rather than later, they need him get in there and really assess this pool and start to work with this group because before you know where you are, you're back in qualifying again. It's round the corner.
1: You want to break who the head coach is going to be, Paul? Well,
3: I, I've got some, some favorites in the clubhouse, but, uh, that's about it. I agree. I, and I, by the way, I think the coach, I hope the coach comes in and says, look, hey, in the gold cup, you know, as much as Michael Bradley might be involved here and there or Josie Altador, or, you know, whatever veterans you want to say, Jeff Cameron, whoever it may be, in the Gold Cup we're going to go with an extremely young group because they need to get that group competitive games as quickly as possible with real stakes in them so that they're ready once the next round of qualifying comes around because you can't, you know, you can't depend on 35, 36-year-old players. We learned that in this cycle. The, the faster you can get those players into meaningful games on big stages, that is going to be absolutely critical. And I hope whatever coach comes in has the confidence in his system and in and, and, and the patience of the federation to, to maybe take one or two bad results in the short term to, to have a bigger impact on the long term. That's a
1: great point. But more importantly, who are your leaders in the clubhouse?
3: I think for me, when you look at the, the domestic scene, I, I think Greg Berhalter is, is probably the favorite. Um, mm, okay. He's established himself in this league. He's done well with the smaller market team in Columbus. Um, he's shown an ability to adjust systems. He's got experience coaching in Europe. He played in a World Cup. Um, he checks all of those boxes. Um, I'm interested to see the overseas candidates. Will Juan Carlos Osorio be uh, discussed as a candidate? Will they look over to Europe? Obviously a lot of Dutch influence. Um, within U.S. soccer right now, I'm not sure the European candidates they'll look at, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see uh, the coach picked as an American coach. And you know, Vermees with the extension, Jesse Marsh with the the rumors linking him to, to heading over to Germany, Greg Berhalter for me is the name that's kind of floating to the top of the list right now.
1: Well, that's interesting. The points with uh, with Vermees extension and Jesse Marsh rumored to be heading over to Europe. So that's that's actually a a funny way of looking at it. That Berhalter. I don't want to say, and I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say he's backing into it, but by if, if there were three names that normally come to the top to win, place, and show, it would probably be Berhalter, Vermees, and uh, Peter Vermees, Sporting Kansas City, and Jesse Marsh with New York Red Bulls. And if Peter Vermees and Jesse Marsh's situations are a bit different, Greg Burhalter may seem the more attractive option. So that's, uh, that's interesting. That's Paul Tenorio on the line. You can follow him on Twitter, at Paul Tenorio, T-E-N-O-R-I-O. And his website that he writes for is The Athletic at The Athletic S C C R. That's on a national level, national scale, um, which is really cool. That's been launched. And and before that, we uh, before we went to break last segment, Paul, I asked you who you thought this season in MLS were the players that had overperformed, and who were the players that had underperformed. You got to uh, let's go. Let's
2: you know, you go.
1: Yeah, Adrian, yeah well, hold on, Adrian's Adrian's having. Uh, there we go, Adrian. He was having a little trouble with his uh, mic. What would you say, Adrian?
2: I said you better be careful before you start. Remember what show you're on.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, I think yeah. I mean, look. I think team wise, when you look at the team that's underperformed the most, I, I, I guess you kind of have to start the conversation with Toronto FC, right? I mean, they were a win away from being the Concacaf Champions League. Champions, the first team in MLS to ever do that, and they haven't been able to find that form again in the league. I, I think they will find it, so I don't know if I want to have them as my answer when you look at kind of expectations and where I think they will be. But right now, they're certainly the team. Um, but the two that kind of stand out to me are are Montreal, um, which has spent a good amount of money on its roster and has just, it, frankly, it, it looks terrible. Um, I, I think they're they're probably one of the biggest underperformers. Um, and then over-performers, um, this one's a little bit tougher. I, I think Brad Friedel's done a nice job in New England, and I always give credit to to teams that I think um, exceed the expectations of their, of their roster. And, um, you know, I'll be careful. I guess I should phrase that better before I go into this. The Chicago Fire for me is one team that I think is surprisingly in a better spot than I would have put them looking at the team. Um, and I think Minnesota, Adrian, again, I, I give you credit all the time, but I just think the the ability to get results with this group right now as you continue to build this roster uh, impresses me. I, and I just think, um, you know, when you look at a, a Western conference where things are wide open, um, you know, you want to get a few more results to put yourself near that playoff line. But um, I think for the most part you're maximizing what, what you have in this group right now.
2: Oh, very nice of you, Paul. Very, Very politely put.
1: Yeah, a lot of people have been saying that about me, that I've been overperforming, maximizing what I've got on this show with Adrian as my uh, co-part here, uh, or co-part, I'm the co-part, but you get what I'm saying. Anyways, that's Paul Tenorio dropping some knowledge on us as we shift from MLS gears now and we go to the world stage, what I like to call the greatest month every four years is upon us. The World Cup in Russia will start on Thursday. Russia will play Saudi Arabia in the opening match Paul, as we start to look at the World Cup, I know that you're going to have a ton of people that are going to be flocking to your articles. Uh, what's the website again that you write it's on?
3: The The Athletic. Uh, you can find us real simple at TheAthletic.com. We have tons of global coverage, not just MLS. We'll have obviously be overloading with World Cup coverage as we as we launch on Thursday, as the World Cup starts on
1: Thursday. Hold on, Paul. I'm, I'm writing that down. What is it? Go again. It's the what?
3: The, the com.
1: Okay. All right. We got it. Now I'm there. Good. All right. So now tell us, what, what team do you see really being the team that can contend? Let's get some predictions here. Let's. What team do you think July 15th will be lifting the 2018 World Cup trophy if you had to put a proverbial... Pen to your head right now and you've got to put uh, you've got to pin your article on July 15th who are you putting in as the winners
3: I, you know I've got Brazil with the ultimate revenge beating Germany in the World Cup final to make up for 7-1 at home four years ago uh, I think this team is stacked they've got a ton of really good attacking pieces obviously Neymar leading the way um, and, and I just think that they you know with what they did in qualifying absolutely destroying Conmebol. The fact that Neymar is back and healthy, I think that they are the best team. When you look at the other contenders, Germany and France, Argentina, um, Spain even, uh, there, there are flaws on all of those teams, and I, I think Brazil ends up beating Germany in the final.
2: Hey, there's nothing like going out on a On a an win- absolute fight. limb, huh? He's really putting himself out <laughs> there. Wow, a Paul's fight. a risk
1: taker. Very Bra- big Bra- risk taker. Brazil-Germany final, really? Yeah, now having said Bra- that, him. who's your pick, Adrian?
2: I'm going to go with Spain. And I think the reason why I'm going to go with Spain is it's their last go. Sergio Ramos, Pique, Busquets, Iniesta, Silva, Jordi Alba, you go through them. I think they'll integrate a few of their younger players like Asensio, etc. in there. I think it's their last go and I think they'll try and go out on a high. Uh If not, I'm going um, to throw because I always do, because once the tournament comes closer, I get caught up in all the crazy emotion of it all. I think England are going to be an outsider for the competition. That's
1: absolutely such Stop an Englishman's it. answer. Paul, what is happening right now? What is this show well, going well, to?
3: First of all, I can't. I can barely see Adrian out on that limb picking Spain. I mean, who's ever heard of Spain winning a world? Cup? Incredible, right? By the way, wow.
2: By the way, what did he? He prefixed this by saying, "And Spain and all them have got all what the problems. They've all got problems. Every time I see any, nobody's mentioning Spain. People, no, are, I men- look, I people like are mentioning France. People are mentioning Belgium. If you look at it, one to twenty-eight or twenty-four, whatever their squad is." Uh, France must have the best squad in, in the tournament.
1: Oh, on paper? Yeah. They're incredible. You
2: see the people they've left out? And yet, for some reason, I I, I don't see France yelling for a full month and keeping it all together.
1: They struggled to last World Cup, didn't they? Well, they always, they always the seem to, left, you know, yeah. self They actually hate each other.
2: They always seem to self and But the one thing I will say is that Brazil, for the first time, Paul, in a long time, they look as though they're getting a little bit back not only the way they set up, but playing a little bit as we all grew up watching Brazil play rather than another version of a European team.
1: Well, I, and, I really do. And I'll say this. I can't change my prediction now because we have a feature coming out uh, on MNUFC.com where Callum Williams, Kendra D. St. Aubin and myself, we do a prediction of who we think is going to win. And Adrian, as much as it kills me, I, I said Spain as well, but I'm a sucker for fairy tales. I just want to see Andres Iniesta lifting the World Cup confetti coming down it just being the the fairy tale moment because F- fitting
2: in for the great career
1: exactly so so for me the the, sen- the sentimental side of me came out and I wanted to see Spain win for that reason um, but I could also see a very uh, a a, a Brazil Germany final playing oh, oh, out really? I could see it. I mean, I'll go out on a limb with you, Paul. I don't know how strong listen, that branch listen. is. If
3: I, w- if I was picking with my heart, I'd be picking Argentina because I would like to see Leo Messi put that stamp on his career to say I am the greatest player to ever play the yeah, game. That's a good point. I, d- I don't think that he's got a good enough team around him. I don't think he can carry them all the way there. I actually have him beating Spain in the quarterfinals. That was a tough call for me. I agree with you. I really like Spain's team. Okay. Was enough, my heart was enough to propel them past Spain, <laughs> but not enough to propel them past Germany in the semis. So that's where I got stuck.
2: So here we go. The last question. Diego Maradona, undoubtedly the greatest footballer of all time, took the Argentinian World Cup team where you couldn't name four players and you're saying that Messi hasn't got a good enough team and every one of his players plays for the biggest clubs in the world.
3: Listen, if Higuain could finish, he'd have three trophies right now it puts him maybe chances in every tournament, what more can Messi do? He's put him in the spot to score the goal.
2: Diego still the, hey, he thinks Messi's the greatest player of all t- time. He's not even the best in his own country.
1: I can't believe that that Paul, you didn't you didn't pick being on Adrian Heath's show Costa Rica to win. Unbelievable. Listen, There's two guys on I, his I just, team.
3: Before, before I go, two things. One, Adrian should be rooting for Costa Rica because the price for Venegas and Calvo will go through the roof if they have a good World Cup. <laughs> but we'll, we'll have to make a bet here go that if, if Costa Rica advances further than England in this World Cup, I've got a nice Vamos Tico shirt for Adrian to wear at media availability one day.
2: Correct.
1: Not a problem. Wow, there we go. I love that. I love the fact that you're leaving us on a bet here, Paul. That's brilliant. And real quick, I wanted to ask you this, Paul. Last one before you go. Has there ever been a time when Adrian Heath has uh when you used to cover like Orlando City back in the day, has Adrian ever done anything like kick you out of a practice or you know done something really mean to you as you were being a big j journalist covering the team?
3: Listen, I wish I could say he kicked me out of a practice uh he kicked me out of practice for an entire year what? They, used have, they used to have open training sessions, and I came in one day and I was chatting it up on the side, and I think Adrian thought I wasn't paying attention, and I wrote a blog. It was preseason. I didn't think it'd be a big deal. They were trying out some, you know, a little change, as an inverted winger, and I just played around in my blog with, hey, what could this mean down the road using as an inverted winger? And I show up at practice the next day. The gates are closed, and when they open up, I say, Adrian, what gives? He says, I thought you weren't paying. You can't, you can't be writing about my tactics. How'd you notice I was doing inverted wingers? You're not allowed in anymore. This is it. And the rest of the season, only the final 15 minutes. And uh, I could never convince him to open the gates back up.
2: So. <laughs> and that was a term of endearment. The 15
1: minutes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I am so glad I brought it up it doesn't sound like that's a that's an old wound okay. at all sounds like there's no salt in that wound at all it, it, look time heal all wounds I'm glad that we were able to make amends somewhere along the way to get you on the Adrian Heath show tonight I'm sure Adrian will have a nice bottle of wine for you the next time we see you as a as a make do for that but uh we want to thank you for your time tonight Paul once again at Paul Tenorio on twitter he's a great follow one of the best ones and uh follow the athletic the athletic s TCR on Twitter as well.
2: Hey, Paul, thanks for coming in and uh, wish your dad a speedy recovery. I know he's not been too good.
3: Uh, Thanks so much, Adrian. It's always a pleasure to chat with you and Jamie as well. You've now been elevated, as you know, in the rankings of sideline reporters in the Midwest. So thanks for having me on, buddy.
1: Anytime. Uh, And there he goes, the former sideline reporter for Chicago Fire, giving up the reins to now arguably. Well, I default backed into the top sideline reporter spot according to Paul Tenorio. Mm-hmm. So
2: now he's he's, uh, he's a he's a really good guy and he's a really good journalist. I uh, think he's going to do really well for himself over the next few years.
1: One of the best in the country, without a doubt. We'll stick around with us. We've got one final segment when we come back. We'll talk about the preview. We'll preview the matchup U.S. Open Cup at Houston Dynamo next Monday night. And we will, as always, rate Cal's call. That's Adrian Heath, Manny Hills in the booth. I'm Jamie Watson. This is the Adrian Heath Show
0: presented by Heineken on 1500 ESPN. Conditions may apply. This is the Adrian Heath Show presented by Heineken on 1500 ESPN. Here we go. Final segment for this week's Adrian Heath Show.
1: I'm your host, Jamie Watson. Adrian Heath. Head coach of Minnesota United, he's already in a dance right now. I'm guessing you probably know this song, Manny. I think when Brad Lane, you and I got together, made this list. We really played to our audience because this guy yeah. has loved. The last two songs. Well, yeah.
2: th- th- this is my territory. This is my era. I, I grew up with all these guys, th- th- especially this guy. He was in the Northwest when I was there. Yeah, yeah. Rick, got a, Rick got, Astley, never going to give you up. You but. got a
1: good, you got a r- good Rick Astley story for us. No, but I did meet him
2: quite a few times in the old days. You yeah, know, out and about and. Seems a really good guy. Yes. A writer now. Making millions writing songs now. So,
1: Well, he wrote that one, and none of us can get it out of our heads. So. Yeah. How about Adrian? Three for three today. I, yeah. can, I mean, Nailed it. Hey, it was Manny. a star to line up, too, as well.
2: Yeah, hope that for thinking, down not for dance <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, Adrian, you were on fire tonight. All right, well, speaking of which, we are back into action on Monday, June 18th. In Houston for the Open Cup, Mm. your team played against Houston earlier this year at home. Really good performance. You guys were able to pull out a win, but maybe... Maybe it's a little bit different now because playing in Houston at Houston in the middle of June. Look, it's not, it's not late April, you know, a nice night in Minnesota, good 2-1 win. What you're saying is it's going to be hot. It's going to be miserable. <laughs> Being from Texas, I will tell you, I will promise you it will be miserable. Give us your thoughts ahead of the matchup.
2: I think the biggest thing is, is the lineups. I think one of the things that um, the open cup does in for a lot of coaches and to the extent that we did the same. You know, we we actually gave, as we said, five people probably one of their first games of the year. You know, obviously one or two have played a bit more, but not a lot. The most important thing is for us is to go there and be positive and t- approach the game properly, which is what we're gonna do. We've had a little bit of time off. The lads are back in town tomorrow, so but you know, you look at their front four of Kyoto, Alice, Monates and Martinez, as dynamic as anybody in the league. So do they play their starting eleven? I think they will with it being a Monday. They go to Kansas on the Saturday, so it gives them plenty of time to prepare for that, so we'll see, but we'll go there. we're going to take it serious. We'll probably take our full compliment to players, and we'll see how we go. We, invariably we've played quite well since we've been there. I' not the results that we would like, um but we have played well
1: well it'll be a, it'll be a good matchup, and we're going to have to make sure to watch out for that dynamic. Four players on the dynamo. Oh. I see what you did there, Adrian. Very
2: oh. I'd like to think they were smart clever. enough to have done that, but
1: <laughs> very clever there. So, all right, here's what we're gonna do. As we wrap the show, we get into everyone's favorite part. We are going to rate Cal's call. Callum Williams, play-by-play commentator from Minnesota United. The guy with the golden pipes gives us a goal call. And since we didn't have a game this week, we're gonna go back into the archives a little bit. And we're gonna Reach in for one from a couple of weeks ago as Minnesota United took on the Vancouver Whitecaps. It was a big win, 1-0, down to 10 men. Minnesota United found a goal through Miguel Ibarra. Now Miguel Ibarra scores a goal. Cal Williams gives his call of the goal. Adrian Heath, on a scale of 1 to 10, it is time for you to rate Cal's call.
0: Gomez. Gomez with the ball across to the back What a save! And it's in. It's followed up by Nigel well Cometh the hour, cometh the man. Batman. go on
1: to the far
2: post. There he is. Cometh the hour, cometh the man. How about that one? Well, that's a, that man. Yeah, well, that's a, <laughs> that's very much a a British expression. Cometh <laughs> the hour, cometh the man. So uh, down to yeah. ten
1: men, he finds. A goal to win the game for the team.
2: Yeah, but obviously it's going to be down from last week. You can't be giving 10s out like Jerry and Ethan do. So
1: Jerry and Ethan, by the way, I gave them a chance to rate Cal's call on their own goals. And it went about as bad as you could expect Jerry against San Jose, he gave himself an 8. The curler to the top corner, Ethan gave him a 6.8. Not for the goal, but for the celebration. Jerry gave the goal a ten, and then we played Ethan's goal, the uh, the one that you love so much, the Prince of Minnesota. Ethan gave it a nine point six, near perfection. Jerry just gave it a straight up ten. Okay. So you, we need to get back to the task at hand. We need to rate Miguel Barra's goal against Vancouver. Come at the hour. Come at the man, Batman. Eight. An 8. A flat 8. I'm giving him a flat
2: 8. So, 8.7 still winning, I think, is I it?
1: think that is the, the still the leader in the clubhouse. Yeah. If I look at my notes, yep, that's the leader right now. So, Miguel Ibarra was a big goal. I give it a 10 for importance. Adrian Heath gives it an 8 when he rates Cal's call. And Adrian, that does it. Yeah. That does it for us another week. These shows seem to fly by. Flown by, yeah.
2: It's uh, been a good show. We had a good guest, didn't we, in Paul Tenorio, And, um... Hopefully back here same time next week with a, you know, we'll have uh, won a game by then.
1: Yeah, and we'll uh, we'll hopefully be advancing in the Open Cup. We'll have a couple of World Cup games to talk about. We're both cheering for Spain to win. Uh, make sure to give our wonderful guest tonight, Paul Tenorio, a follow on Twitter, at Paul Tenorio. He is a great follow in American soccer. That's it for us. For Manny Hill in the booth, Brad Lane Program Director, Adrian Heath, Head Coach of Minnesota United. I'm your host, Jamie Watson. We want to say thank you so much for tuning in Every week, Tuesday night, 6 to 7, the show brought to you by Heineken. We are so grateful. We are having a great time doing it. And catch us out on the podcast on 1500ESPN.com. Until next week, thank you so much. This was the Adrian Heath
0: Show on 1500 ESPN. You've been listening to the Adrian Heath show hosted by Jamie Watson, presented by Heineken for Minnesota United game and broadcast information. Be sure to visit 1500 ESPN.com and click on the United
4: tab in the sports wire to be your best every day. You need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you,